Amen. Please remain standing and hear the words of our God. Two passages this morning from Isaiah chapter 9 and then Luke 2, the last two verses I read earlier. First, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then Luke chapter 2, also verse 6 and 7. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, grant us deeper understanding of your word for us this morning. Let not these familiar passages slip through our minds. Let them instead deal with us in our hearts. Let the preaching from these words have their way with us and then equip us to live in light of those words with greater faith and greater obedience. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, the world around us is happy to celebrate the birth of a little child, of a baby, but it is today the celebration of so much more. This is the day upon which we celebrate the birth of the warrior king. This is the day that we remember that our redeemer and our deliverer, our judge and our savior was born. On this earth, in space and time, in real history, according to God's plan from before the beginning of time, the savior was born on a particular day on this earth. It could have been today. It could have been right while we were living going about our business, just as it, as it did actually happen some 2,000 years ago plus. On that day, everybody was about their own business, and yet the warrior king, the one who was going to transform the world, was born and laid in a manger. He did not come here aspiring to set up his kingdom upon the earth, hoping for the best. He came to establish his kingdom upon the earth and his government, and we are told this government would never cease in its increase, and it hasn't. Think of it this way. This is the birthday of your greatest hero. This is the birthday of your greatest hero. This is the day that a cornerstone for a new humanity, even a new heaven and earth, was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I would like to take a look at this first passage from Isaiah chapter 6 and, and, and look at it from two different directions. First of all, considering it with regard to the world, but also then considering it with regard to your own heart and your own station in life here today. Because the truth is that this, this Savior who has come to all of the world has come for your heart as well. This Savior who is Christ the Lord and reigns over all of the universe is Christ your Lord in your heart as well. This Christ who, who's, who was sent here in order to die for the sins of the world has also come to die for your sins, and he did. And you are to hear that as the greatest Christmas gift that could ever be given to you this morning. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. God became a man. It's impossible to understand. God the eternal, infinite one, 
became a man. It's, it's good to recite uh, the definition of Chalcedon. You, as you read it over and over again, you, you, you probably stumble at times. What exactly are we saying? And that's part of the point, I think. What exactly are we saying? God became man. And we're told in 1 Timothy 3 that this is the mystery of godliness. There's no other way to become godly. There's no other way to be right with God. There's no other way to be holy other than it all start with God became a man. We're lost. We're lost without it. But he became a man and dwelt among us. And so God became a man. And this is the mystery of godliness as well as a stumbling stone for unbelieving Israel and ever since for all unbelieving mankind. Because he is God and because he came to redeem and to reign, he is the uncontested Lord of Lords. In his resurrection, he is declared to be the Son of God with power from on high, and we are told that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, reigning over all the universe from heaven, but from heaven upon all of the earth. There's no contest, there's no recount. There's, no, uh, there's not going to be another election. There's not another opportunity to choose someone else to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And that means there's not an opportunity for you to choose another Lord over you. There's not an opportunity for you to choose another King. It's all done. It's all finished. It was all planned from beforehand, and it's all for you. King of Kings and Lord of Lords, all authorities are required to recognize their only legitimacy as a delegated authority from this child. If he is Lord of Lords, then every government, every institution, every business, every family, and every heart is required to bow the knee. On all of those things, there is certain authority granted. You you have authority over your own life. You have authority within your family, heads of households. You have authority over your business institutions. You have authority if you you own those businesses. We have authority that has been granted to us in the various governments that God has established. But all of those authorities are delegated authority. There's no, you, you don't get to say to the boss, sorry, I'm taking control now. And I don't care what you say. And yet we do that all the time. We do that against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords all the time. But he is king. And that king is wonderful. That's one of his titles. What does it mean? It says, and his name shall be called Wonderful. It's not just wonderful. Really, the Hebrew word is pointing to this, that he is incomprehensible. He's wonderful. You can spend, and we will spend, an eternity growing in our comprehension of this God who became man, of the triune God. You will spend an eternity glorying in it. It will become more and more glorious to you to wonder at who this Jesus Christ is. It will never end. Your glory, your, comp- your growing comprehension, the wisdom that you will, you will gain will never end if you come if you bow, if you submit to him, it only will get better and better and more and more glorious. His name is called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are his titles. These are the names that are given to him. He is counselor. That doesn't mean he's hanging up a shingle. And if you'd like to, you can go get some therapy from him. No, what it means is he is the very source of wisdom. He is wisdom itself. He is wisdom incarnate. Uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And turning to this Lord is, is where we get all the counsel that we will ever need. He is the one who can explain everything. He is the one who can open our eyes and open our hearts to things that our eyes and our hearts would never be open to because he is the great counselor. He says, come to me. Come to me and I will explain. I will open your eyes. I will open your hearts to all, all that is confusing you, to all that is concerning you. Come to me. I am the great counselor. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. That is, while becoming man, he never lost his full divinity. We think oftentimes of how did God become man, but also you, you look at this little babe in the manger or just a standing man, and you think, that's God. He, he's God. He's mighty God. And he is everlasting father. We, we oftentimes, you can get confused sometimes because I thought he's the second person of the Trinity. He's the son. How is he eternal father? Well, he's eternal father in that he is the father of the second human race, of the new humanity. Just as Adam is our first father, so Christ is our second father, and he is the everlasting father. And not only that, but he is the prince of peace. He's not the prince of peace in, in the sense that you get to enter into some kind of new agey mantra of peace, where everything leaves your mind and you hum and you meditate, and, and that kind, it's not that kind of peace. No, it's, it's real reconciliation peace. It, it's, being a, it, it's peace in relationship. It, it's not peace in isolation. And it's peace in relationship in the most important relationships and really in all relationships. But it starts with, he is the one who gives you peace with God. Outside of, outside of Christ, there's no peace with God. There's only running from God. There's only darkness. There's only wrath. There's only judgment. But in Christ Jesus, there's peace. There is absolute reconciling peace through Jesus Christ. God is your friend now. God is your best friend now. God is your closest friend now because of Jesus Christ. That's what it means that he is the prince of peace. Even better, or, or on top of that, Another gift that comes with him being Prince of Peace is that because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, you can be reconciled fully and completely to any brother, any sister in Christ. We can have full human relationships like we long for, like we were built for, with one another, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It's only in Jesus that we have the power to honestly confess our sins and honestly give and receive forgiveness all the way down. It's only through Jesus because he's forgiven us that way that we can then imitate and are empowered by him to do the same. It's only because Jesus loved in such a way, sacrificially, caring, considering us more important than himself, that we can obey the call in, in Philippians that says that we're to do the same thing to consider others more important than ourselves. You can't do that unless the Prince of Peace reigns. But when the Prince of Peace reigns, and he does, we can. We can be at peace with God and we can be at peace with one another. And finally, you know what else you can be at peace with? The person that is oftentimes your greatest enemy. You. You can be at peace with yourself. 
You can be at peace even though you know all of your failings, all of your shortcomings, every time you have said no to God, every time you have selfishly hurt someone else, every time you have doubted, every time you have despaired, every time you have felt hopeless, you are granted peace because the Prince of Peace reigns in your heart. What, do you, what are we to do then? Receive. Receive his peace. Receive his truth. Say amen to what he has done for you. And this, we are told, is going to extend over all the earth over time. The passage goes on. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, what that means is that it will never end. <laughs> okay, just so you just wanted to make that clear. There will be no end. There will be no end of what? Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, Isaiah said. The gospel is an invitation. It is a true invitation. Come and receive. But it is more than an invitation, and in one sense, it's only a temporary invitation. Come and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as King. Come, you're invited. But in the end, it's a declaration, a declaration that God has come in Jesus Christ, and Christmas is the celebration of the takeover of the world from the devil, from the devil and all who would follow the devil's ways. Christmas is a celebration of the takeover of the world and the establishment of the new kingdom. Christmas is the celebration of what has occurred and what will occur. It's not simply a great offer. We are celebrating a great accomplishment. David's throne is occupied today by a man. And that throne is at God's right hand. And there will be a gradual increase of peace justice and godliness incarnated upon this earth. David was promised that his, that his throne would, would, would last forever. And then he was promised that his son would reign forever. And we see that David's throne, in, in one sense, it didn't seem to. It, it, it broke down. And, and certainly Solomon is not with us here today, ruling forever. And Solomon failed. But Solomon was a type he was the son of God, or I'm sorry, he was the son of David, and that son of David, as he reigned, reigned over a, a growing, spreading kingdom of peace. A growing, spreading kingdom of peace. Now, that was a picture that God gave to us, but now this prophecy is completely fulfilled by the true son of David, who truly reigns on a throne that will never end over a kingdom that will never end, over a kingdom of peace that will only grow and extend as he establishes it in judgment and justice over all the earth. So, David's throne is occupied by this man, this man, Jesus Christ. And that is what he is now doing through us. That is why we, the church, still exist on this earth. That's the, the reason that we are here and not just saved and taken up into heaven is because by means of his church, his Holy Spirit-drenched um, church, we are the people who are to proclaim and extend this peace to all the world, to every neighbor, to every family member, to each and every one of us. And we're to, to tell it to one another because we all need to grow up into this as well. This, 
this reign, this rule of Jesus Christ is proclaimed and lived out by his church over the course of the age that we now live in. Now, the passage ends with the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And I have a question for you. The zeal of the Lord is going to accomplish this. So I just said the church is going to be doing, is, is involved in this. But it is the zeal of the Lord that is going to accomplish it. How fervent, how fervent do you think the zeal of the Lord is? Do you think he cares about sin and rebellion less or more than you do? Do you think he cares about the trials and afflictions upon this earth and upon humans less or more than you? Do you think he hears the groaning of all creation awaiting the final redemption, the final resurrection less or more than you do? Do you think that he established his son's reign in order to take care of it all less or more than you do? The zeal of the Lord will perform this. And this is amazing because I'm I'm so grateful it's not my zeal. I'm so grateful it's not your zeal because our zeal waxes and wanes. We get easily distracted. We get easily encumbered. We get easily tempted and we fall away. But the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this, will perform this. And so the conclusions abound. Take that passage from Isaiah and lay it atop of Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, where it begins. A baby is born, and she brought forth her firstborn son, Luke says, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Everything had been promised, and in time and space, Jesus Christ is born, and no, nobody has any room for him in the city. Nobody. Do you see, what are we to learn from that? that that's not just an event, a one-time event. That's what happens over and over and over again. We have no room for him. We try to push him out. Think about this for a moment. There's no room for him in the inn. There's an obvious question for each listener, and that is this. Do you have room for Jesus? Isn't that just almost a silly question? Do you have room for Jesus? So if, if Jesus is who I just said he is, if, if Jesus is who I just told you Isaiah proclaimed, to say you don't have room for Jesus is to say, well, I don't have room for peace and I don't have room for joy. I don't have room for, um, for eternal purpose for my being. I don't have room. What are you saying, man? What do you mean you don't have room for Jesus? You want to try to live your life? You want to, you want to live like the people in, in that city in Bethlehem when the, when the Savior of the world has been born, when the King of Kings has been born, and ignore it? Ignore the one who then grew up and now is king over all the world? You just, I don't have room. I don't have time. I'm not interested. It, it, is, it verges on absolute insanity, if you think about it. No, no room for Jesus. What are you thinking? This is everything. He is everything. So I'm not asking it like a sentimental question. What is being asked of you? This baby is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's not tame and sweet and cozy. He is the warrior king. He, but he brings peace and he is the only source of peace. 
He's your only hope for peace. Peace that will pass all understanding. And only eyes of faith can see this. And God grant you, each and every one of you, such faith. There's a room for Jesus. And then consider what's going on with Joseph and Mary. There was no room for them in the inn. Not just there was no room for Jesus, but Luke tells us there was no room for them in the inn. They're the followers of Christ. They're the first followers of Christ. Therefore, we learn something else as well. As followers of Christ, we must realize that there will be no room for us, no room for you in the world of polite society. Bethlehem wasn't a wicked town. Bethlehem was, as far as I know, just a, a little town outside of Jerusalem, not far away. And there was activity going on because of the census that had been called. There was, a, there was an awful lot of hustle and bustle, people coming and going. There were people hanging out together, maybe seeing one another for the first time. It was just a city, a small town, and people were about their business, and they had no room, no room for the followers of Christ. Get out. Go away. Why don't you go hang out in the cave over there? There will be no room for us in the same way. No world, no room for us in the world of polite society. No room for us in the world of fine opinions. There will be no room for you in a world laying its treasure up where moth and rust destroy. You will be different. You will seem odd. You will even be threatening to loved ones, to authorities, to anyone who wants to make Christmas go away or just make it one of those sentimental goo feeling days. There was no room for Joseph and Mary, and there will be no room for you as well. And only eyes of faith can see this and remain steadfast and faithful to the end. They, they shunned Joseph and Mary. They shunned the followers of Christ. And what happened? The world was saved. The, the shunning took on even a bloodier a bloodier time, just a, a few days or, or maybe a year or more later when Herod orders the death of all children, two years old and under, in order to stop this king. And what happened? Scripture was fulfilled. They, they take Joseph, Joseph takes Jesus and they, and they flee to Egypt because of this, uh, this threat. And what happens? Scripture is fulfilled. 30-some years later, 33 years later, Jesus is flogged and whipped. A crown of thorns is shoved upon his head, and he is nailed to a cross, and they kill him. They murder him. And what happens? All Scripture is fulfilled. And the Savior of the world dies for the sins of his people. There's no room for you, just as there was no room for Christ. There's no room for the followers of Christ. They will shun you. They will put you down. They will shout you down. And God will use it all. God will use it all to the glory of his name. I, I remember in the days leading up to my conversion, hearing, hearing words of the gospel and absolutely hating them. Absolutely hating them. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. I wanted nothing to do with the followers of Christ. I wanted nothing to do with church. But the words of Jesus spoken to me would not leave. God accomplished his good work. Who can you give words of Jesus to that you know when you give the words of Jesus to them, they will hate it. They will shun it. 
they will try to push him out and God will use it to the glory of his name. Do not be afraid to be shunned. Do not be afraid to be pushed away. Do not be afraid to, to be in a situation where you find everybody else is uncomfortable because of what you just said. Because we have the words of eternal life. We speak them in, 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 in places of darkness. There won't be any room, but that's not going to stop God. That's not going to stop God. And finally, what this faith does, believing in God, believing that he is at work in the midst of his steadfast and ongoing work, is that we have faith in God, in a God who is going to and who is transforming the world. Behold the zeal of the Lord. He has come in his Son. He has come in all humanity to reach down to the lowest of low, the greatest of sinners, even you and me. He will establish this new humanity. And in the new Adam, you are the body of Christ. We are the body of this little child. This body is his kingdom, heirs of the world. And like a small lump of leaven, the work is slowly spreading. The loaf will be changed. Now, what are you to do? Well, it is Christmas. You need to go and you need to celebrate for angels are rejoicing, and it would be a good idea if we joined in with them in this celebration. Today is a great feast day. Tomorrow, we take over the world, and only eyes of faith can see this, and God grant us such faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. God grant us such faith, faith to embrace the mystery that you became a man, Faith to believe that your zeal has overcome the unbelief of the world, the unbelief of the man and woman sitting here even this morning. Overcome that with your zeal. Grant us faith to stand against the tide of modern culture, lost in its darkness, and proclaim the light. Faith to feast and celebrate and enjoy and share the victory of Christ, our warrior king, and live accordingly. Bless each man, woman, and child here with just such faith. And bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Stand and respond. Number 579.